0: sound very convincing. How are you guys doing today? Ah, I heard something a little bit louder down there. That was good. Cool. Well, welcome. Glad you guys are here. Welcome to Cameroon Community Church. My name is Matt Hildebrand, and it's again my joy and privilege to be here with you this morning. We've been going through the the book of Mark, and uh, yes, we are still in chapter one. And spoiler alert, we will still be in chapter one next week, But there's just a lot of good stuff in the book of Mark. And so we want to make sure we do it justice and we'll get through it. So uh, bear with us as we kind of drudge through but with with power and with great information as we get through this book. So I was um, uh, probably junior high age, maybe about seventh grade. And I went on, I was living in Oklahoma. And I was on this kind of camping wilderness trip with my youth group. And our youth pastor was our leader. And we went out and we're in Missouri. And we had to take everything with us for the week on our backs. We had to carry everything, all of our food, cooking utensils, our clothing, our bedding, everything. And so Uh, We had, we brought our own clothes, but we went to this other location to kind of start off the trip and we had to get all of our our food and cooking utensils and our bedding. And so we had a choice to make and it, there was a choice of this big bulky sleeping bag or this nice little compact sleeping bag liner and very thin wool blanket. Now this is in the summertime, so I figured, okay, it's pretty hot. We're in the Midwest and so it's pretty warm out there and our most of the kids got the the, the sleeping bag liner and the wool blanket and they got we got enough weight we got enough bulk we don't need this extra stuff to carry around and so we're gonna go with that but our youth pastor decided to go to the sleeping bag and he probably even encouraged us to take the sleeping bag because he's been on this trip before but we didn't listen to him and so we thought you know no we're smarter we, you know, we what to do. we're doing we're junior high we know what we're doing so and so we, we 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 take that and then you know during the day again it's very very warm, we're we're hot, we're sweaty, we're hiking around with all this weight on our back. And we uh, we get to the point where we set up camp and we're laying in our tents and go to bed that night and it was freezing! Oh my gosh, it was so cold. And I remember like having to put my, my pants on, I had wool these thick wool socks, probably multiple layers of shirts, I, I think we had a jacket, or if like I could put it on my head, and I was just still just so cold the entire night and didn't sleep very well and you know, woke up the next morning you know, exhausted, still very cold, and we see our youth leader get out of his tent in his uh, T-shirt and shorts, fully rested, you know, from being all night nice and toasting his sleeping bag. So what did I learn from that, that week of, of misery? Uh, although the trip itself was very good, but that was pretty rough, and not to mention I got stung by wasps all the whole time with my leg lifting a log out of a, where a wasp nest was. But other than that, it was a good trip, and, but, but the nights were miserable. And so, what I learned from that, well, one thing I learned is that nature does not work according to the, the mind of a junior hire. I was like, what, what's up with this? It's hot during the day. How can it be so cold at night? Well, we were in elevation, so it definitely got a lot colder at night than you know, we anticipated. And the th- second thing I learned is that. Maybe I should have listened to our leader who has gone before us who probably suffered through that in the past and could have taught us something. And so I learned to listen to those who have kind of gone before or been through a similar situation and learn from it. Well, that kind of somewhat leads us into the overarching question, which is a twofold question that I want to be kind of like in the overarching of this message as we go through these these verses in Mark. And that question is, and I'll put it up on the screen, is, is what does God teach us through suffering, our suffering and healing? And the second part is, who is ultimately in control? Again, what is God teaching us? What does God want us to learn? What is God trying to get through to us? about our suffering and our healing, and then who ultimately is in control. Well, last week, Pastor Dave spoke about the previous passage in Mark, where, where Jesus and his early disciples have gone to the synagogue on, on the Sabbath, and Jesus, Jesus is preaching with great authority and power, and this man, demon-possessed, comes up to him, and Jesus casts out the demon. And in verse 27 of that previous passage, there's a part that reads, uh, this amazement spread. All right, I said, let me get back to it. Mm. Oh, amazement gripped the audience. Amazement gripped the audience. And this amazement has spread throughout the town of Capernaum, even beyond, because we read in the very next verse, it says, the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. And so this is the kind of the setting that launches us into the verses we'll be going through this morning in verses 29 to 34 of Mark 1. So let's begin to unpack this. So verse 29, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. The NASB version reads it immediately after they came out of the synagogue. And so basically what transpires over these next several verses is within the same day of what we learned about last week when Jesus was in the synagogue and cast out the demon. And so Jesus and these early disciples leave the synagogue and then head over to Simon and Andrew's home. And it is believed with some archaeological evidence that Simon's home was really, really close to the synagogue that they were just in, probably within a couple hundred feet. And so, after the leaving the synagogue, they immediately walked over to Simon and Andrew's home. And it was very common to be invited over for a noon meal after spending the whole morning in the synagogue in worship and study and teaching. Very similar today, I'm sure many of you guys have already made plans with friends to get together for lunch after church today. And so for them to immediately walk over to a home in close proximity to the synagogue was very, very common within the norm. However, there may have been a secondary motive to them inviting Jesus over to this home that day. And we'll read that in verse 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick In bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. Now, so it appears in the the verse 29, because we read how they went to Simon and Andrew's home. So apparently, Andrew was living with his brother Simon and and Simon's wife in the same home. But also, according to this verse, it seems like that Simon's mother in law was also living with them which gives us some insight to what was going on, that possibly his mother-in-law was a widow and had no surviving sons, and that's why she was living with her daughter and her daughter's family. And even though she was in their home to be cared for in her old age, it still would have been common for her to share the responsibilities with her daughter to host any invited guests into the home. I mean, even if you were sick, as long as you're functional, you, just, you would still do what you needed to do to make sure that the guests that are in your home are taken care of. But in this case, she wasn't able to do so. I mean, she was laid out. She was sick, high fever. I mean, she had no really medicine to take, no antibiotic or antiviral pill to take. I mean, her strength, her energy was completely gone, probably aching, cold sweats, the whole thing. I mean, just physically destroyed. So much so that in the verse we just read, in verse 30, it says they told Jesus about her right away. So it appeared like this was like the top priority to tell Jesus when he first came in the home. And possibly it was even something they probably talked about Jesus as they walked from the synagogue to the home. Luke's account mentions that they begged him, the healer. And this kind of brings us to the first point and one of the answers to that overarching question that we brought up at the beginning about what does God teach us about our suffering and healing and who ultimately is in control? Well, one of the things we can learn is that God brings healing so that we can serve him and others. God will sometimes bring healing so that we can serve God and serve others well. Remember, they just witnessed Jesus casting out this demon of this man in the synagogue showing great power and authority I mean there's something to this man named Jesus I mean he's no ordinary man but somebody of great authority and power so now Jesus has been made aware of this alien woman and what does he do I mean, did he say, well, okay, okay, guys, listen, I just cast out a demon just moments ago. And it was a, it was a battle. I'm a little bit tired. I'm a little bit spent. You know, I think I just need to go lay down take a nap. You know, maybe we catch me tomorrow. I'll talk, we'll talk about it tomorrow. No, not at all. I and mean, let's listen to how he responds. We read this in verse 31. So he went to her bedside. He took her by the hand, and he helped her sit up. And the fever left her. And then get this. And she prepared a meal for them. Some versions read that she then served them. I mean, Jesus went to her bedside. He gently took her by the hand and helped her up. And the fever was gone. I mean, Matthew's account of the story just says he touched her hand and the fever left. Luke's account of this story says that Jesus rebuked the fever and I left her. And that Greek word rebuke, and I hope I don't butcher this, epitimo. Is that close? Is that good? Okay, sounds good. I got okay from Kenny. So, so this Greek word they use for rebu- rebuke is the same Greek word that's used in Luke uh, 8.24 when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and that fierce storm had broken out and the disciples are freaking out thinking they're gonna die. And they wake up, Jesus is like, we're gonna die. And he's like, dude, calm down. And he rebukes the winds and the waves and they immediately become still. The same word he was here in rebuking her fever. I mean, Jesus calls all things into order and they obey his commands. I mean, the winds and the waves are immediately still. And her fever, Simon's mother lost fever, is immediately gone. Merely by the presence and the words of Jesus. And then look what happened afterwards. Right after she was healed, she began serving and caring for her guests. And now this would probably be something she would have sprung into action to do right away, knowing that there were guests coming to her home. But... In this case, initially, she was not able to do so. Her illness was keeping her from doing that which she wanted to do for Jesus and others. I mean, the text doesn't say that, you know, that she was then asked to get up and serve. No, it just said she just got up and did it. It was like, that was like what her her mode was, what she wanted to do, that she knew she needed to do. And as soon as the, the fever and the sickness was gone, she got up and did it. And so this kind of brings another question within the question we answered before, is what is holding me back from serving God? What is keeping me from doing what God wants me to do? What is preventing me from serving God and others? Is there something that maybe, maybe, that we're sensing God is telling us to do, but yet then there's something else that's preventing us from doing it? What is keeping us from serving God? Is it fear? Is there some kind of fear that's holding you back from serving God? First John 4.18 reads, such love has no fear. Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Are we afraid of something? Are we afraid of failure? Are we afraid of not measuring up? I don't know. Is there fear? If there's any fear, it's because we're not fully experiencing God's love. because It says right here that his love expels all fear. Is it maybe doubt or lack of faith? Do we think maybe we don't have enough head knowledge, or we don't have enough experience to really do what God's calling us to do? It's like, I can't do that. Is there like some kind of doubt or lack of faith that's keeping us from serving God and others? Matthew 17, 20 reads, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, do you guys know how small a mustard seed is? I mean, I've never seen it, but I've been told it's pretty small. And he's saying, if you have just the faith of a mustard seed, you could say this mountain, move from here to there, and it would be so. And it would move. Nothing would be impossible. God's not saying that we have to have this spirituality of this, this amazing spiritual giant, this faith that answers all spiritual questions, have all this incredible spiritual knowledge. No, he's saying, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, then God can move mountains through you. Because you know, newsflash, it won't be you moving the mountain. But if you just had enough faith in God that He can do move mountains through you with just a little bit of faith. Maybe it's a particular sin. Is there a sin in your life? Maybe an unconfessed sin that you're holding on to that you're just not wanting to get out there and, and God's saying, you know, just, just let it go. Confess it. Because he says in, in verse one, uh, chapter one, verse nine of First John, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Is there a sin right now in your life that you need to confess to God. Confess it. Don't say it out loud. We don't need to know. But in your mind, just confess it to God. Give it to God. Because he says he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all wickedness. And when we've been forgiven and we've been cleansed, we are free to move and be used by God in mighty ways. Don't let unconfessed sin keep you from serving God. There is nothing that we may have as a barrier that God cannot remove or help us overcome. I may mean, God demonstrate his power and authority over everything. Our God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Amen? The healing of Simon.